Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 17 and Match Week 18, the Boxing Day episode. <clears throat> and honestly, I don't know about you, but I, I like the Match Week 18 much better than I like Match Week 17. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about from <laughs> Match Week 17, I think. A lot of the really good games came after the new year. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah. First podcast of 2023. Pretty exciting. Yeah. I, the whole part of the reason why we didn't even like record a podcast after Match Week 17 is because we were like, let's group in Match Week 18. I think yeah. we can make a little bit more interesting content. You know, we'll take our chances with Match Week 18. Some more, you know, enticing fixtures coming up. And certainly a couple of games delivered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even the one today. Mm-hmm. Um, it, part of the next match week was just unbelievable. Uh, Brentford versus Liverpool. We'll get to that. Um, but we do have a lot of content to cover this week, intentionally. <laughs> so instead of going game by game, we're going team by team in what is known as the 90-second roundups. We go team by team. We talk about every team for 90 seconds. Even all of your shitty fucking Nottingham Forest teams or Bournemouth teams, we'll get them all in there. Everyone is treated equally on this podcast when we do 90-second roundups. However, we will start off with a worst team wins update. First of the new teams since the redraft. So if you're new to the two-man wall podcast, the worst team wins uh, competition is competition between me and Ethan. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we drafted teams that were all worth at least 80 million pounds in uh, official FPL kind of fantasy value. So each player has their own value. Um, the better players have higher values. And we need to fill at least 80 million worth of uh, players and 11 that gets the least amount of fantasy points during the season. So we're basically betting on what players are going to flop the most. So getting the most points is inherently bad. As Ethan will tell you, I continuously do better. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, new teams, but similar story. I beat Braden in both game weeks. Uh, my team going after cheese in match week 17 and 18 had 24 and 19 points, respectively, while Braden's team, Jesus died for a top bins, had 31 points and 26 points. So I narrowly increased my lead. I my team Garnacho Cheese has 509 points and Brains team has 691, so still a big gap. But I still have a lot of players out injured. Firmino, Richarlison, Sinistera, they'll be coming back in the next yeah. couple of weeks, and then maybe that levels out the playing field. I, I could certainly use some injuries of my yeah. own. Uh, you need Holland's, a injuries. Holland's injury history, I could I'd appreciate it if that <laughs> came around at some point. Um, Nunez is still missing though. Yeah, <laughs> he's still. <laughs> I, I'm I'm waiting for him to get off the IR, that's for sure. Um but without any further ado, 90 second roundups, match week 17 and match week 18. So again, without any further ado, 90 seconds on the clock. We go alphabetically during these, and we will start with the Arsenal, who continued their form from before the World Cup, a 3-1 win versus West Ham. And a 4-2 win at Brighton. What more can you say about this Arsenal team than they just really haven't missed a beat? No, they haven't. And the big question was how much of a factor would Jesus' injury you know, be? Mm-hmm. And 
Niketia so far has scored more goals in his last two games than Jesus <laughs> had in his last 10 for Arsenal. <laughs> now, obviously, he's not providing, you know, all of the other things that Jesus provides uh-huh. in a game. But still, he is getting the goals. And in the end, goals up. win games. Yeah. And I tell you what, at halftime of the West Ham game, I felt silly forgetting that <laughs> Arsenal were top of the league because I was a bit worried there, honestly. They didn't look too incisive in the first half, but once again, they responded you know, brilliantly in the game and they turned it around in a flash. They, with 15 seconds left in this segment, we, I can go on for two and a half podcasts about what Arteta has done with this team, what each and every player has contributed to this team, but it's been the mentality, especially in those earlier fixtures, like with the Fulham game, they came back and won. Like it's been this comeback mentality that's gotten them to this point, and it, they just continue to roll. Three, two, one. That'll do it for Arsenal. Moving on to Aston Villa. Three, one loss to Liverpool and two nothing win versus at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Very impressive performances under new manager Unai Emery. Yeah, obviously the latter performance more impressive than the first one. Although they stayed in the Liverpool game for a while. They got it back to 2-1. And I thought they played very well. They were pushing for that equalizer. Uh, in the end, Liverpool got a closer from I have no idea who. It was his first Premier League goal. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Some 18-year-old kid. But the Tottenham win was very impressive. Yeah. They never allowed Tottenham in the game. I think it's part... Aston Villa playing very well, in part Tottenham just being completely depleted and yeah. lackluster. I mean, they had uh, Brian Hill playing <laughs> alongside um, Harry Kane and Son, so definitely didn't have their ideal front three, but they really didn't create any chances, Tottenham, and Villa pounced on theirs. I think that if you look at this Tottenham game from uh, you know untrained eye, you might think, what a poor performance from Spurs, which it was. But this is not unlike what they have. They've been playing recently. They've just gotten away with it. Yeah. Like even in that in that uh, what's it called in the two two draw with Brentford and we'll, yeah, you know what? Let's stop talking about Tottenham. This is Aston Villa's mm-hmm. segment. Um, yeah, Aston Villa again. The three one loss to Liverpool. I I don't think it was necessarily a bad performance, but the structure of Unai Emery's kind of tactical system, uh. It, 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 they just made the most of it against a Tottenham team that, again, we'll get to, is not playing up to their normal standards right now. Move on to Bournemouth. 2 nothing loss to Chelsea at Chelsea. 2 nothing loss to Crystal Palace at Crystal Palace. Uh, these are on brand for a Bournemouth team that I feel like has not has been better than on brand thus far this season. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. What they're saying, 15th yeah. in the table. But I think they're just barely hanging on. It is a very close relegation mm-hmm. battle this season. I mean, Southampton sit rock bottom with 12 points. Bournemouth probably are on, what, like 16 or 17 points this season. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure of the exact number. But Bournemouth cannot be complacent. And I'm sure they aren't. Again, these are just two unimpressive performances from a team where you wouldn't expect too much more yeah so far they're they've done enough to get by but the performances have to be better from Bournemouth they really do if they want to stay in this league yeah uh, again they 
on paper they should be going down so they will need to play above the sum of their parts which mm-hmm. they have gotten some very decent results this season thus far but again we're not even halfway through yet and something tells me that this Bournemouth team is not going to be mm-hmm. able to sustain the overperformances that have even gotten them to fifth 15th at this point um and these are kind of the performances that we saw just like 2-0 against a, a, a Chelsea team that's not playing well if you were ever going to take points off Chelsea as Nottingham Forest did it would be now mm-hmm. um and then a Crystal Palace team which you never know really know what kind of team you're going to get on the day but you want to put up more of a fight than they put up and uh, I I think that the fact that they're not they haven't really been if they were sitting like 12th I would have said like okay I think even if they were poor they could stay up sitting 15th in a very close relegation battle I think it's going to be tough for them to stay up. Yeah, I mean, right now they're only two points outside of the relegation zone from Nottingham Forest and 18th. Yeah. And like we said, there's just not enough quality there. There's teams with a lot more quality coming for them. Three, two, one. We move on to Brentford FC with a fantastic run of form. 2-2 versus Tottenham. 2-0 win at the uh, London Stadium. And then a 3-1 win at home this afternoon against Liverpool. What a run of form for the Bees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they did very well to not succumb to the Tottenham comeback, I think, as, <laughs> as many teams fell victim to prior to the break. Easier said than done, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, obviously, what more can you say about the two wins? At West Ham, very convincing, although you know not the best of teams. But then the home win against Liverpool was definitely the icing on the cake. And they deserved it, too. Yeah. They outplayed Liverpool. They sustained, They got through the difficult period of the game. I think it was inevitable that with a 2-0 lead at halftime, Liverpool getting an early goal in the second half, they were going to have to suffer a little bit. But they suffered, and in the end, they got that third and crucial goal. And Klopp made his normal excuses, but <laughs> it takes nothing away from Brentford's fantastic performance and fantastic run of form. Three, two, one. We move on to Brighton and Hove Albion. A 3-1 win at Southampton and a 4-2 loss at home to Arsenal. Uh, this is a Brighton team that has been much, much better than the sum of their parts, especially since... Um, Graham Potter left, and I thought that Graham Potter was the main reason why this team was performing so, so, so much better than the sum of their parts. Turns out that it's really just this team is a very, very cohesive unit. And to put away a Southampton team in Southampton that uh, they've lost the last five games, let's be honest, they're not a great form, but still going to put the team away. 3-1 is awfully convincing. And then 4-2 loss against Arsenal doesn't tell the whole story. They, they were beaten handily, but they had large spells of that game where they were the better team against league leaders arsenal so this team is a team that cannot be counted out no definitely not and even despite the loss to arsenal you could still tell that the brand of soccer they were playing was impressive in the same brand of soccer they were playing under potter and Mm. even though the results have been not quite as consistent as they were under potter even though they have been good without a doubt the quality of soccer is still there and this is a a Brighton team that was still missing McAllister, still missing Welbeck. They were playing Trossard at the yeah. nine. Although I will say that Matoma took over this game completely. Unlucky not to have two goals in this one, but he terrorized Arsenal's defense. Yeah. He's a great player. Three, so. two, one. We move on 
to Chelsea Football Club, who had a 2 nothing win against Bournemouth at home and then went to Nottingham Forest and only got a point. That Nottingham Forest result, it, it, you got to be scoring more than one goal at Nottingham Forest. Like, with this... With their squad that they have, I know they don't have a nine, and I've said the whole season that that is going to hurt them. I think it's time to kind of point fingers at Grand Potter because this team just, not only do they not put in, you know, get results, but they don't even pass the eye test. No, they don't. I think you mentioned to me before this podcast that there just doesn't seem to be be anything exciting about the brand of soccer that yeah. Chelsea are playing. It just doesn't look like there's a chemistry or cohesiveness. It looks like they just put guys on the field, like good players on the field and just told them to play yeah. soccer. But it doesn't look like they understand each other, that they play off of each other well. They just kind of pass the ball around and hope something mm-hmm. opens up rather than create chances for themselves. And like we said in the precursor podcast, the Premier League restart, you know, we were expecting a bit bigger things from Chelsea because Grand Potter had six weeks with his team. Mm-hmm. I feel like most, like a good portion of their team did not go to the World Cup, yeah. unlike a lot of the big six. And we were expecting a bit more convincing performances. And so far, we haven't seen it. It's early, still a lot of time left in the season. I don't think people realize just how much time there is mm-hmm. left. Yeah. We're still three games from the midway point, but it hasn't looked convincing so far three two one we move on to crystal palace a three nothing loss to fulham at home and a two one win away at bournemouth <clears throat> consistently inconsistent palace are consistently consistent <laughs> uh the two red cards in the fulham game usually you lose the game handily when you get two red cards and that was what happened but they come back and get a shutout win against bournemouth um personally i like I'm liking what Eze is bringing to the table. I knew kind of where he was headed as a player, and it's very nice to see him kind of develop. Uh, I think he should get a, a shot at the England team in the next year or so with the development he's having. Um, but yeah, just a lot of very electrifying slash inconsistent players at Crystal Palace. I know we've said this a lot, but like it just week after week, it, it's just like similar stuff. No, like you say, I really want to have a unique take on Crystal <laughs> Palace, but it just seems to be the same. Up and down performances, Zaha and Eze consistently being the creative spark going forward mm-hmm. in this otherwise bland Crystal Palace team <laughs> yeah. that, you know, always seem to sign like one seemingly like exciting player every summer yeah. who most of the time doesn't really pan out yeah, and they yeah, just yeah. end up going with <laughs> a youngster who emerged. So <laughs> Yeah, it's working for Crystal Palace, so yeah. never change. <laughs> Three, two, one. We move on to Everton. A 2-1 two, two, loss to Wolves on the almost last kick of the game. And then a 1-1 one, one draw at the Etihad against second place Manchester City. Brutal loss against Wolves. Last kick of the game, I believe it was 8 Nori. But then they come back, pick themselves up, and get a gritty point at Manchester City off a Damari Gray screamer. This, I mean, that Everton draw against Man City, I think it was more about will to get a point than it was about, like, quality, per se. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
the loss to Wolves was a dagger in a relegation battle, especially in the last minute. So going into Man City and with a one goal deficit at halftime, I'm sure Lampard, you know, revved up his team and said, listen, we can't be giving away any more points. I know the Etihad isn't a place where you expect to get points, but when you drop points in the fashion that they did against Wolves, you have to find, you know, wins and draws where you weren't expecting them. And to be fair to them, they, they found points that they weren't expecting. So Everton, again, just like they did last season, just seemed to be doing enough to keep themselves, you know, above water. Three, two, one. We move on to Fulham. 3-0 win against Palace, 2-1 win against Southampton, both at home. Two wins, sitting in eighth place with a game at hand on Brentford in seventh. Again, the Palace win was down to a couple of red cards. Yeah. Um, Win against Southampton, last place Southampton, terrible run of form, arguably the worst team in the Premier League right now. These aren't necessarily fantastically convincing results, however... Mm -hmm. Two wins are two wins. They're sitting in eighth place with the game in hand on seventh. Are they a couple January signings away from potentially competing for Europe? Honestly, I don't even know what signings they really need to make. Maybe just a couple to shore up the defense because the attack is really clicking. It's not a debate anymore whether or not Mitrovic is cut out for the Premier yeah. League. He's not only cut out, he's one of the best strikers <laughs> in the league right now. And he has some really good offensive weapons beside him. Andreas Pereira. Willian are both supplying balls into him. Bobby Decordova Ria is also yeah, chipping yeah. in. Um, I have to give credit to Jao Paulinho, the defensive yeah. midfielder. He's been great this season for Fulham. So I don't think Fulham fans could ask for any more from their team. They're what we call a yo-yo club, and it doesn't seem like the yo-yo string is going back down this yeah. season. Bad news for Norwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are, are we going to see Norwich and Fulham in the Premier League in the same season? I, I didn't, didn't think it was possible. It might break the space-time <laughs> continuum. Anyways, we move on to Leeds United. 3-1 loss to Man City at home. And then a nil-nil draw to, at the time, second-place Newcastle at home. Gritty point versus Newcastle. Currently sitting 14th with games at hand on a lot of teams. They are in a very comfortable position when it comes to the relegation battle. You never want to be too comfortable, but like we said, it's a very close relegation race, and I don't think many people have them near the drop zone right now. Again, they're 14th, but points-wise, they're not terribly far off. But I don't think Leeds will be disappointed with what they've done in these last two games. Man City and Newcastle, second and third in the league, respectively. (laughs) Getting a point from one of the two games, especially away at St. James's Park, very difficult place to play and get points from. So I think Jesse Marsh will be pleased with this side. And now he gets a more favorable matchup this week, maybe against Palace. I'm not entirely sure, but can't be worse. <laughs> yeah. the, the only team worse would be Arsenal. They're not playing <laughs> Arsenal this week. So Leeds, like you said, they're not in too much danger yeah. and they've gotten a couple of the more difficult games out of the way now. Mm-hmm. So. I think things will be looking up for them. I agree. And I think there's a couple players in there. Tyler Adams that have gotten a lot of confidence from the, um, from the, the World, World Cup. Cup. So I, I think they'll be okay. We move on to Leicester City. 3 nothing loss at home to Newcastle. 
two nothing two one win versus Liverpool. No, two two one loss versus Liverpool. Um, two L's against two again tough teams. If not for Wout Faez, match fixing may have gotten a point off of <laughs> Liverpool because they they were very much contesting in that game offensively. Um, but with this, the Brendan Rodgers hot seat, which had cooled down significantly since the first, you know, seven, eight games of the season, probably is starting to warm up again. Yeah, possibly. Again, Newcastle, Liverpool, they're two good teams, yeah. but it was more about the eye test. Against Newcastle, they were completely and utterly yeah, dominated. They were destroyed. They were taken apart, never in the game whatsoever. I will say that they did not have James Madison. Hmm. So perhaps Rodgers will get a bit of slack in that regard. But nonetheless, this Leicester team has been underperforming all season. They still have the quality to be a lot better than this. And it's the same old problems. The the conceding goals from set pieces. I mean, face for the first couple of games when he came in seemed to be helping out yeah. defensively and now he's <laughs> yeah just, just Darwin. brutal on goal. he's just scoring the goals for darwin exactly. he's he's got sick of seeing him miss chances and just thought he'd put him in himself he might see himself a uh, move to chelsea as a number nine i don't know seriously he scored more goals than uh Aubameyang <laughs> in the prem since he's come in uh yeah lester I think that, again, I believe in Leicester and I believe in Brendan Rodgers, but just the way they've been playing right now, they need to snap out of something in order for them to pick it up. Three, two, one, we move on to Liverpool Football Club. 3-1 win at Aston Villa, 2-1 win versus Leicester, and a 3-1 loss at Brentford this afternoon. Darwin Nunez, look. He... There's something it's it's all it's mental. I truly believe that this guy is talented, but it's it he he's in his own head. Like he's completely in his own head. If you watch the chances that he's missing, it's like he's completely in his own head, and he's getting there, and he's like, "I'm gonna do it. Like I'm really gonna do it," and he doesn't do it. Like it's it's tough. It's it's tough to watch, and like I just shit on the uh, you know Latara Martinez for for missing chances. Like it's completely mental for him, and it's clear that it's just mental. No, definitely. And that's just the way it is for strikers. The longer a goal drought goes on, the harder it is to break it. It's that simple. And if you watch Nunez play, he's playing really well other than the finishing. Like yeah, He's yeah, yeah. making really good runs and he yeah. works really hard and he gets himself in these positions. Uh-huh. Again, obviously, I'm sure many listeners will have seen the chance he missed against Brentford. Yeah. But he makes a really good run, latches onto the pass, takes a perfect touch around the keeper. Yeah. And you just can't steer it past yeah. Ben May. It's yeah. like you said, it's all in his head, and he just is desperate yeah. for a goal right now. Right now, they're sitting sixth, four points off top four, having played an extra game. So they're going to need quite the run of four in the last 20 games of the season to contest for top four, especially the way some of those teams up there have been playing. Moving on to Manchester City 3 1 win at Leeds. Come back home and drop two points to Everton Football Club. Holland scoring three goals in the two games. But again, it City is not showing. And this is part of the reason why they didn't generate enough chances to score against Everton. They are not showing the diversity in attack that they normally have 
especially with guys like De Bruyne in there. I, I just feel like because Holland's playing so well and because they're getting so much scoring from him, they're kind of just funneling all of their offense through this one channel. And I don't think in the long run that's going to work out for him, as well as Holland's playing. Yeah, Holland, like you've written here, Holland can only do so much. When he's not scoring, there doesn't seem to be a lot of contributions from other players. De Bruyne, you know, doesn't have a goal in either of these games. And like you said, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. 1-1 mm-hmm. draw against Everton. No goals from Mares, uh, Nothing from Grealish, although he did set up Holland twice in the Leeds game. Uh, a bit surprised to see Phil Foden not yeah. starring in either of these. I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. what's going on there. But if Pep wants to stay in this title race, he needs to figure out how to not revolve the attack around Holland and use Holland as a luxury rather than, you know, the only piece. Three, two, one, Manchester United. Three nothing win against Forest, one nothing win at Wolves. Things seem to be coming together for this Manchester United team. We thought that maybe they would stumble because of the amount of players that had they had playing, but maybe it acted as a boost because they're just in more of a rhythm. Yeah, it definitely seems to be the latter right now, and they're hitting their stride just as some of their top four competitors are stumbling. Tottenham on a poor run mm-hmm. of form, Liverpool inconsistent, Chelsea aren't even getting yeah. a sniff of you know <laughs> the top four right now. They're sitting in ninth, albeit with games at hand. Yeah. But yeah, their players just seem to be selling in. Casemiro has well and truly settled in by now. He's been phenomenal. Rashford is back to his very best. Yeah, he. I think it's really important to note that despite the disciplinary action being taken against him for you know sleeping in late, missing a meeting, mm-hmm. whatever, he took it on the chin yeah. and came off the bench and scored the winner for United. And that's exactly what Ten Hag wants from his players, and it's uh-huh. proven that. He can discipline his players, and his players will respect that, and it won't affect their form, unlike, you know, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So clearly clearly, the atmosphere around the club is already better. And, yeah, all going well. 3-2-1, Newcastle United, 3 nothing win at Leicester, nil-nil draw versus Leeds. And the, the former of those, the Leicester game, they looked, you know, Similar to the way they have looked in prior it before the World Cup, just taking apart teams, playing way above the sum of their parts, just attack, attack, attack. Almiron getting in on the action as well, um, and then they go to Leeds, and a lot of that stuff is stifled by you know Jesse Marsh's uh, high intensity system. Um, when before Newcastle looked like this top four, like you know as big six as they come. This one kind of humbled them a little bit. Now it's just a game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Every, all every all the even a lot of the big six teams as we've seen have had games, but this one seemed to be a little humbling. Yeah, I mean Leeds have been a problem for a lot of teams yeah. this season. This is very unlike Leeds playing in a low scoring game. Obviously, we saw before the break they were just yeah. involved in seven goal thrillers <laughs> yeah, left yeah, and yeah. right. Uh, so it's not a worrying result for Newcastle. They couldn't be perfect forever. And again, they showed their quality against Leicester in fantastic ways. The Almiron goal was just so well worked and it yeah. capped off an amazing performance. And 
like I said, the best is yet to come for this Newcastle yeah. team. Alante Maximan only has like first appearance in a while towards the end of the Leeds game. So once he gets back to yeah. full fitness and starts, there'll be a problem. Nottingham Forest, 3-0 loss at Manchester United. Come back home and take a point off Chelsea. Very, very big performance for, for Newcastle. Uh, not for Newcastle, for Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. And I said before, I, I like to point out, I said this before the season that, uh, I don't think I said it on the podcast, I might have said it to you um, private, but Nottingham Forest is the biggest field in the Premier League. I might have said it on the preseason podcast. Nottingham Forest is the biggest field in the Premier League. I thought they were going to have a lot of trouble with big six teams because those teams have the most talent. They can just whip the ball around the field and are just going to tire out Nottingham Forest having to defend a bigger field. But it seems to be the opposite because 1-1 game wasn't a 3-3 draw where they let a lot of goals but scored a lot of goals. It was 1-1, very low scoring, didn't give up a lot of chances. So I, I, I think this is you know, an extra good performance from Nottingham Forest's point of view because they were able to do it despite their field. Yeah, definitely. Nottingham Forest have shown this season that they can be up for the big occasion yeah. on their home turf. Obviously, they got the really big win early in the season against Liverpool, and now the draw against Chelsea. Away from home, it's a different story, but those aren't always the games you have to win. Yeah, they ju- They're not trying to win from really tails here. They just want to survive. They're not expected to go to Old Trafford and mm-hmm. take points. Yeah, But if they can get points where again they're not expecting them like against Chelsea that bodes well for them and they just have to work on getting points where it's seemingly more probable yeah. for them um i i'd like to see them probably take 3 points off of uh, a relegation team before i can say that they've kind of turned a corner but again this Chelsea result is as good as they come from a new, from a Nottingham Forest point of view Moving on to Southampton Football Club. 3-1 loss to Brighton, 2-1 loss to Fulham, five losses in their last five. Uh, this, is, this is not necessarily the new manager bounce they were looking for. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, seemingly with a new manager who came in before the World Cup break, use, if we use the same logic, I use a grandfather, mm-hmm. definitely... Almost no Southampton players going to the World Cup, at most one or two. So Jones must have had a lot of time on the training ground to work with his team. And not much has changed. I mean, Brighton and Fulham are two very good sides outside the big six. They're both knocking on the door. But there just needs to be a bit more from them. They were were somewhat tight in both of these games. Uh, There was a late uh, Yalpolino winner that sent them home with no points mm-hmm. at Fulham. So they're improving a bit, but not at the pace they would like. Luckily, it's a tight relegation battle, a lot of games left to go in the season, and they could really get a boost playing at home against Forest this weekend. 20th versus 18th, if they can get a win there, they almost definitely take themselves off the foot of the table. So they should definitely be up for that one. Three, two, one, move on to Tottenham Hotspur. A 2-2 draw at Brentford, come back home and lose all three points. 2-0 loss to Aston Villa. 
I don't think that they're uh, they're getting away with their poor performances anymore. They're not getting away with losing on XG, giving up big chances, and you know scoring their their mediocre middle of the road chances, which they've been getting away with thus far, and has gotten them you know comfortably in the top four. But it's beginning to catch up to them again. They have a lot of injuries. Uh, getting Richarlison back on the form he's on is going to be a insane boost for them, especially attacking. They scored uh one goal in these two games two goals Mm -hmm. Uh, two goals against Bradford and Villa one of them in the home they definitely need some attacking reinforcements it's not the like obviously right now they need attacking reinforcements you know Brian Hill wasn't doing much in that (laughs) Villa game but I just don't understand why the switch isn't flicked on from the start for them it's the same story every game as soon as they go goal or two down all of a sudden, they turn into, you know, prime, <laughs> like, Real Madrid in their three-peat era <laughs> in terms of attacking because they're almost unstoppable once they're in full flow. Yeah. And so I don't understand why it just doesn't happen for them from the start. And only Antonio Conte will know. <laughs> Three, two, one. We move on to West Ham United. 3-1 loss to Arsenal at the Emirates. Come home and lose 2-0 to Brentford. Two losses in two games. They are sitting damn near the relegation zone. Uh, David Moyes has gotten them pretty far in the last couple seasons. Yeah. But I think the clock might be ticking for him. No, definitely. Uh he will get a bit of extra latitude because of, like you said, his track record in the last two seasons. And the fact that I think it helps that they hire them back after a poor stint at the club. Yeah. I think since as second stint, he's been so good for them. I think he will get a bit more slack. Yeah, yeah he will get a bit more slack just because the owners have seen that he can turn it around yeah. at this club. I think he's earned it a little bit too. It's not like um, some of the other firings like Scott Parker or something like that. Scott Parker got him up, yeah. but you know, once he, uh, you know, once it's clear that he's lost a little bit of the confidence, you let him go. I think Moise is a little earned a little bit more than that. Yeah. I think the issue for him is the sheer amount of money they spent in this transfer window with yeah. signings like Paqueta and uh, Aguard. Yeah. At Zyrebak, both of them great players at the World Cup, but aren't performing for West Ham. Yeah. So, last but not least, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Almost least, <laughs> they're nineteen. <laughs> last but nearly least, Wolverhampton Wanderers two one win at Everton. Come home and lose one nothing to Manchester United. Uh for a relegation threatened team, W's are essential and the fact that they could pull one off against Everton you know they left it late but three points is three points uh is essential when you're in a very very tight uh relegation battle uh still not the performances that maybe this unit should be putting up again they've lost a lot a lot of pieces and you know Ralph Jimenez certainly isn't the goal scorer he once was uh but Pedence Neto like, I feel like this team has the ability to stay up. No, definitely. They certainly have the quality. And even if they didn't, it's been proven time and time again that 
with a good manager and a good brand of soccer, you can beat teams who have more quality yeah. than you. And for a while now, it just doesn't seem like Wolves are playing that same entertaining brand of soccer that they were playing when they were pushing for Europa League spots in their first couple seasons yeah. in the Premier League. So I don't know if Lopetegui can bring that back for them, but he needs to bring it back to a small extent if he wants to keep this club in the Prem. And that rounds out all 20 Premier League teams, 20 up, 20 down. And without any further ado, we'll move on to our Match Week 19 coverage. The game's coming thick and fast recently, starting off with our match predictions, should we do? Arsenal versus Newcastle tomorrow afternoon at the Emirates. What do you got? I don't think there's any reason to not think that Arsenal will win this game at the moment. They're playing against a great Newcastle team. And, of course, a slip-up for Arsenal is inevitable. They're not going to win every remaining game this season. But there's no reason that they'd slip up now. Newcastle are good, but Arsenal are at home, and they're just better. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying anything other than Arsenal win 2-1 to Arsenal. I I agree. There's no reason why Arsenal, at least going into the game, maybe after 30 minutes, 40, 45 minutes, I'll say something different, but there's no reason to believe that Arsenal should not be winning this game in the form they're on, even without Gabriel Jesus. Uh, I'm going to say 3-0. 3-0. I, I think that the Leeds performance slowed them down a little bit. Um, again. Wilson and I don't say Maximon are getting healthier. We might see one of them start tomorrow, but I still think that there is absolutely no reason why Arsenal should not run this team off the park tomorrow as they should, as they are doing with a lot of Premier League teams this season. Um, And that's no disrespect to Newcastle. It's more of a credit to how good Arsenal have been over the last two games. Chelsea hosting Manchester City. What do you got? Well, Man City showed this weekend that they aren't flawless, but Chelsea certainly showed that they have many flaws, a lot more than City. Uh, Like I've said before on this podcast, going into Stamford Bridge just isn't scary. It's not. I don't think it's any worse for a team to... I think for a team to go to Stamford Bridge, the only disadvantage is that they don't have the advantage (laughs) playing at home. But... There's no sort of raucous atmosphere that's yeah. difficult to play in for these players. So Man City already play in uh just quiet atmosphere at the Etihad anyway. City rarely drop points two games in a row. They're just better than Chelsea. It's as simple as that. Yep. I think they'll bounce back. Holland will surely want redemption after only scoring one goal. <laughs> so I have three nil City. <laughs> yeah, I uh I have to agree. Again, uh, there's nothing that I've seen in the last two games since the break that has led me to believe that Chelsea are going to take a, even a point out of this game. I think Man City will absolutely have their way. I do think Holland will look on the score sheet. Uh, but honestly, to be fair to Chelsea, Chelsea's defense has been the strongest unit that they've mm-hmm. had. Thiago Silva has looked as good as ever in the last two games. Um, 
but I, I think that it's, it's going to be a lot of Man City, and the XG is going to say that, whether they put away their chances, who knows? 2-0, Man City. Uh, and to round out our match week 18, we'll do our goal picks. And if you're new to the podcast, goal picks is another season-long competition that me and Ethan have. Here's how it works. Each week, we pick three players that we think are going to score in the next match week. And then the other person has the opportunity to, before we do our picks, block three. So if I think that Ethan really thinks that Marcus Rashford is going to score this week, I'm going to put down in my three blocks Marcus Rashford. Ethan will say, Rashford's one of my picks. He's got a good matchup. He's on form. And I'll say, sorry, Ethan. It's blocked. You can't have him. And then I get to pick one of his players from next week, which is usually a striker going at, that has a bad matchup. Or Patrick Bamford, whichever you prefer. <laughs> Simple enough. Ethan, would you like to get started with your picks? Sure. Uh, first, I'll do a quick update on the last two match sure. weeks. Uh, unlike in the worst game wins, Brian is actually making up ground in this Woo! competition. Because he got two goals in these past two weeks, courtesy of Marcus Rashford. And none of my three players scored in either of the match weeks. Quite remarkable because you blocked two of my players last yeah. week. And the only one you didn't block was Rashford. And he scored two goals. And so. he delivered. I did, however, keep my streak alive of picking injured players. Uh, Kulisevsky was injured for the uh, Aston Villa match. So... Get in. <laughs> that brings the season tally uh twelve goals for me, eight goals for Brayden. Still four goals behind, but a lot of season left yeah, to go. A lot of season. Would you like to pick? Sure. So starting off with Ollie Watkins. Sure. Uh I think Aston Villa are starting to find their feet under Unai Emery and in these last two weeks, they've had difficult matchups against Liverpool and Tottenham, and they've still found goals. And this week, with a matchup against 19th place Wolves at home, there certainly should be goals aplenty. So, Ollie Watkins will hopefully be involved in the scoring. And my second pick, I have Harry Kane. Bit more of an obvious one, but Spurs going away to Selhurst Park. Seems as though goals are their strong suit. <laughs> Not necessarily defending, although Aston, the Aston Villa game would seem to prove the contrary. I think they'll bounce back with the win. I don't know, but certainly with goals. And Kane seems to be a part of it, usually. And with my third pick, I'm going with Martin Odegaard. Okay. Not particularly enticing matchup against uh Newcastle side who are statistically the best yeah. defensive team in the league but Arsenal are statistically the best team in the league <laughs> and Odegaard has been on a tear recently he has hit the ground running after the Premier League restart had a wonderful wonderful goal in the last game against Brighton and I think he'll score again or at least I hope <laughs> but let's see if I have him first you can have him I blocked Holland, Rashford, and Mitrovic. Because I thought maybe you'd want to come back and piggyback off my Rashford and you like picking Mitrovic, especially after 
a nice run of form for him. So, yeah. I was thinking about Rashford. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't help me. <laughs> All right. You got your blocks ready? I do. All right. First off, I'm going with Youngman Sung because it's just been a while. <laughs> that I mean, obviously, they're playing Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace league goals uh, frequently. Uh, just like you said, it, it seems like Tottenham are going to get a couple in this game. Kind of a bounce back game for them. Uh, I believe it's at home. No, it's not. It's at Dublin. But either way, Sun has been completely blanketed recently. I think that he is bound to find his way into the net at some point, and I think that will be this week. Secondly, Leandro Trossard. It's been a while. I just want. <laughs> I, I want. I want him back. Uh, I, he's got Everton this week. You know, Everton away. Like not necessarily a poor defensive team, but not necessarily a good one. Um, Brighton looked pretty good against Arsenal offensively. Trossard was not not in on it as much as guys like Matoma were, but uh, you know, he's part of the reason why I'm even in the conversation in this uh, competition. So I'm gonna ride him again. Pause. Uh, third, Bruno Fernandez, another player that has not been on the score sheet recently. Has been part of a lot of other things. He's creating all the chances for Manchester United right now, but. Has not gotten on the score sheet recently. He might have taken back penalty duties from Cristiano Ronaldo since his departure. Maybe Rashford, but I'm thinking it's going to be Bruno Fernandez. Maybe, you know, with the form he's in, which is pretty good, not scoring wise, but in general, he's on good form. Combined with the fact that he might be the new penalty taker, I'm going for Bruno Fernandez. What do I got? You can have them all. Oh, sweet. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about Bruno Fernandez. Obviously, I saw United Bournemouth was a nice matchup, yeah. but I thought you wouldn't go for Rashford because it was too obvious. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Bruno, nice pick. As to Son and I forgot it. Drosard. <laughs> Drosard, yeah. right? Uh, I had Mitrovic, Saka, and of course Holland. I was thinking. I was thinking about Saka. <laughs> um, I was thinking about taking an Arsenal player, but I'm like. Uh, he's probably gonna put down an Arsenal player. I was thinking about Martinelli too. It just wasn't working. All right, and for our closing segment this week, a it's the return of speed tears. Our last speed tears, as it was posted on Instagram, was spurred a lot of debate because uh, the algorithm decided to hold back from pushing it. Until Darwin Nunez scored a lot of <laughs> a couple of goals in the Premier League, and then pushed it out just as he was scoring goals, and then we got a lot of feedback that said, uh, "Why is Nunez in B? He should be A." Blah 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 blah, and now he sucks again, and obviously nobody's seeing it. However, it's a new day, it's a new dawn, a new round of speed tiers. Each of us will be doing one tier. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I guess I should explain Spear Tears mm. real quick. So everybody, for the most part, is familiar with a tier list. Tier lists go as follows. S is the highest tier, then A, then B, then C, then D, then F being the lowest tier. And you take whatever topic and then individual, you know, things or and or players inside of that topic and you put them in tiers. Uh, as quickly as you can. No real thinking. The, the point of the speed tier is to kind of just get your knee-jerk reaction rather than you thinking about it and then placing it into a tier. So would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'll give 
you the chance to t- tear my list. <laughs> I don't think I've Would said you that like to phrase well. that again? <laughs> yeah, sure. How about you phrase it? <laughs> All right. Ethan is going to let me tear first. Yes. Okay. So, what is my category? You are going to be ranking Premier League games so far this season. And before we start, I want you to choose your own criteria. Because there's a number of ways you could go about it. You could say which game was the most memorable. Which Mm -hmm. game was the most exciting to watch. Which game had the biggest impact on the season. So, I'll let you... I'm going to say that excitement. From a 90-minute perspective, mm. no real outside factors, kind okay. of just from a ni- zero minute to 90th minute, like, m- what's most exciting to watch, mm. like an episode, an yeah. isolated episode. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready? I am ready. And here we go. Liverpool 1 leads to Somerville scores a last-minute winner at Anfield. A. United humbled 4-0 at Brentford. Yes. <laughs> Liverpool 9, Bournemouth 0. B. Chelsea 2, Spurs 2. B. Newcastle 3, Man City 3. A. Liverpool 3, Brighton 3. C. Manchester City 6, Manchester United 3. Spurs 4, Leeds 3. C. Brighton 4, Chelsea 1. B. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. C. Spurs 3, Bournemouth 2. A. Nottingham Forest 1, Liverpool 0. B. Brentford 2, Manchester City 1. C. Leeds 4, Bournemouth 3. Hmm. A. I like that game. Liverpool 1, Man City 0. D. Forest 2, Bournemouth 3. C. And that rounds out the speed tier list for probably games so far this season. I think <laughs> I started off like I anchored to a to a like a weird point and mm-hmm. I was kind of just like doing the whole time I was ranking the next one off the one I did just before it. <laughs> so like I don't know. I if I had to go back and listen to what I did and explain my answers, I don't know if I could have mm-hmm. done it that well. It was very knee jerk, which is again, again the point of the segment, yeah. but I I went kind of off like, you know, there. I didn't want to go just by goals because mm-hmm. if I went just by like the number of goals, yeah. then it would just be very like you know vanilla. So I kind of tried to mix it up a little bit, kind of uh, like that. Um, that Bournemouth Leeds game was one of my favorite games of the season. I liked yeah. that game a lot, so I want to give that credit. And obviously, that Brentford game was just my favorite mm-hmm. game of the season. Like yeah. I had to leave that in its own tier, <laughs> um, especially. Early in the season, and McGuire was the culprit for most of it. Yeah. So I, I kind of needed to give that one the credit it deserved. But yeah, I like that one. That was good. Okay. Ethan, your category will be Premier League nicknames. So 
each Premier League team has their own unique nickname. Usually it dates back to the 1800s. Mm. Uh, and you'll be ranking them based on just knee-jerk, like, I like it, I don't like it, it's lame, it's cool. Yeah. Whatever you feel. Are you ready? I am ready. The villains. A. The citizens. D. The eagles. A. The bees. B. Well, <laughs> I had to. <laughs> the foxes. B. The reds or the tricky trees, of course. See, I'm just so taken back with that one. I just had to put it right in the middle. <laughs> it's just confused. The magpies. C. The hammers. B. The saints. C. Wolves. A. The red devils. B. The toffees. C. The Gunners. S. The Blues. C. The Cherries. C. The Seagulls. B. The Cottagers. F. The Spurs. D. And last but not least, actually, second to last, the Reds of Liverpool. C. Last but not least, the Whites of Leeds. I have to go C again, because it's just a color. <laughs> I'm going middle ground for all the colors. Okay. What, what made Gunner the Gunners its own tier? Besides the fact that you're Arsenal fan, I hope that wasn't a bias, a point of bias for you. No, it's just, just, it's just kind of sick. I, like, I, I do like, the also the fact that it's like, if you think back to the like where it came from, like Arsenal was Arsenal because of the fact that there was a military mm-hmm. arsenal, like a literal like yeah. warehouse of weapons near the stadium. Yeah. And this is like the point like where they played next to. So like the gunners, it kind of dates back to like, you know, it's not like the blues. Yeah. <laughs> uh what was your reason for the cottagers? <laughs> that you just particularly hated them specifically. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Like, what's a cottage? <laughs> just somebody who lives in a cottage? I, I assume, yeah. Yeah, that, that's one I don't get. That's why I didn't like the citizens either. Oh, what? You live you in a place? You're a person. <laughs> <laughs> you're a living, breathing human? Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I think maybe I should have put the villains in S tier. That's I, pretty cool. Yeah, villains is cool. Uh, I, I want to put citizens in F. I hate that. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Did I put it in D? Uh, I what? Uh, I think I put it in D. Citizens? Yeah. yeah. D. Um, I could change villains. If you'd like, but no. That's right. No, it's a gut feeling. It's a gut okay. reaction. And with that, we will round out our podcast. A lot of, a uh, couple really nice, tasty fixtures coming up again Chelsea City and Arsenal, Newcastle. Um, just one match week coming up. Uh, we'll be back in a week's time. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Adios. See ya.